This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show will cover the issue around rescue dogs who get adopted only to return to the shelter. In some unfortunate cases, more than once, I call it the revolving rescue door. And with the holidays around the corner, those scenarios do happen more often, unfortunately, especially when dogs are given as surprise gifts. And we'll get into how gift returns can be prevented. And our special guest today will share her insight and experience on how to make the transition from adopting a dog to being a successful adopter seamlessly as possible. We have Katie Blakely is the CEO of Pet First Insurance, who adopted her dog, Franklin, from a Kentucky shelter. So when we get back from these messages, we will have Katie on the call. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Katie Blakely, CEO of Pet First Insurance and a rescue dog mom herself. So thank you for coming on today, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Now, I really wanted to cover this topic so I'm, I'm grateful that you're on today because as much as it boggles my mind it happens all the time rescue dog or not these animals are are given as gifts and are often mm-hmm. surrendered to a shelter after a short period of time and, and I understand the idea of adopting a dog can make it seem more justifiable but to do it on a whim is um less than ideal so rescue dogs I mean they've already been through the revolving door once or twice, and for them to go through it again is just heartbreaking. So I really want education to be out there so adopters know <laughs> what they're getting into and factors they should be looking at to determine is this really the best choice or you know the best gift. So Katie, in your opinion, what are the factors that people should really take into account if they're wanting to surprise a loved one with the gift of adopting a dog? Well, I think there are a number of things, as you mentioned, that are especially important when you're considering bringing a new furry family member into the home. And it really all ties into the readiness, the willingness, the ability to commit to this pet for their lifetime. There are a lot of factors to consider. How big is this dog? How much exercise would be required? This cat, what they need, you know, it doesn't matter really the pet. It's really just thinking through what kind of activity will they need? What might be health conditions? considerations that could come up, uh, especially Mm. for older pets that you're bringing in. Sometimes that can seem like a 
quote, easier solution because they might already be potty trained, but they may already be dealing with some pre-existing health challenges. So just being cognizant of what is that pet facing today and what kind of challenges may come up in the future, both short-term and long-term. That's true. All those those factors you mentioned are all so important. In my head, I'm like, you know, I don't even think people consider half of those. Exactly. I think the breed is probably the number one thing they look into, which is probably the size. <laughs> That's right. There's certainly a direct correlation there. The, the bigger <laughs> yeah. the dog sometimes, the bigger the, the challenges. But it's a common misconception, too, that a smaller dog or pet may be easier to care for. And often that's not the case either. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Just so we, it's out there. <laughs> well, I think it's just uh, there's a perception that, you know, big pets, big problems, small pets, small problems. Um, and that's not the case, especially from a health perspective. Smaller breeds can be just as risky and incur just as much in medical expenses as their larger cousins. So certainly don't be fooled when you see a small dog and think, okay, well, this is going to be much more manageable from a behavior perspective or from a feeding perspective or a health perspective, I think that's often a common misconception. Yes, thank you for saying that. That's definitely true. And um, I guess you kind of tied into that. What are the common setbacks, unexpected, expected, that pet parents need to be aware of? Well, I think if you just personify your pet a little bit more, you put yourself in their shoes, you can certainly appreciate the stress of moving, you know, going from one facility to another, which is technically how they'd perceive your new home, it can be very stressful for them. And just like humans, uh, when pets are stressed, they're often susceptible to illness. You know, their immune system can be suppressed. They're more prone to contracting a upper respiratory infection or other common cold sort of conditions. So it can be a stressful time for the pet and it's a stressful time for you as the pet caretaker too. So I think that's one important important thing is just being conscious of, is this the right time to bring a pet into our home or into the home of a loved one? And I can speak for myself and probably a lot of other families, the holidays are not the least stressful time in our lives. There's a lot going on. There's, you know, different foods, there's new people in the house, schedules are a little off. And that can often be a crazy time for people, but especially for pets that are sensitive to to what you're feeling, and they're going to reflect that too. So that can make them more susceptible to illness, but also just any time a pet is in a new environment, again, just like humans, you might be prone to accidents. You know, you might not be aware that some of the things that you have in your home are going to be more attractive to your new furry family member. So, you know, that candy that you used to keep in a dish on the coffee table might not be such a smart idea once you bring a new puppy or a kitten into the house. Um, So there's just going to be little things like that, that that take some time and some consideration. And again, the less stress that you can have in your home when you're rehoming a pet, the better and the easier it will be for your furry family member. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can just imagine that (laughs) the Christmas tree is destroyed. Is there ever a good time or scenario where a rescue dog or dog in general can be great surprise gifts? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to toss up on this one. 
Yeah, I think there's always, I do, I'm a person that I say I love surprises, but I don't really love surprises. I like the idea of surprises. So I think maybe kind of a hybrid solution where you're not surprising your loved ones, maybe your spouse or your kids or your parents with a new pet directly. You may want to instead surprise them with a a trip to the animal shelter so that they can learn a little bit more about the pets Mm, that are available for adoption. You know, in the TV commercials, you always see somebody opening a box with a puppy yeah. on Christmas morning. It doesn't really work that way in real life. Personally, it doesn't make a practical sense to put a living thing into a box. So uh, I would thumbs down that. But I think a surprise to a trip to the store uh, where you can check out some new pets, maybe, you know, spend some time with puppies and kittens or even older dogs and cats, I think is a great surprise, a great experience gift for the holiday season. And then you can make some decisions about, okay, which pets are really resonating with my family or my parents or my kids, and then make uh, arrangements to rehome that pet at a later date. Yeah, that's the thing. Because if, I mean, ideally, before a family adopts the dog, all the members would meet the dog before they make any decisions. So if, if dogs are gifts, then they're, that pretty much eliminates that part, which exactly. I think is, yeah. Not a good idea. Well, and you you bring up a great point that all the family members, all the members of the household really need to be on the same page as far as who's responsible for the pet, how will we be training the pet, you know, to agree upon positive reinforcement methods so that the pet's not confused or scared or, you know, bonding with some family members but not with others. That Mm -hmm. human-animal bond is such a great thing, but it works the best when everybody's on the same page regarding expectations both for the humans in the house and for the animals in the house. Exactly, exactly. Actually, that just came to mind that maybe there is a good time where they can be surprise gifts for holidays, and that's if they've already done all that beforehand. Exactly. And I don't know, maybe someone just made it a surprise because they weren't expecting it, but all of those steps were already done. That would exactly. make it Exactly. No, I think that would, would be a smart plan. And, um, you know, we talk about the craziness of the holiday season. In other ways, too, that, that adjustment period for rehoming a new pet, you know, after the holidays have settled and the in-laws have gone home, if you have a few extra days off of work or off of school, that can be a good time to bring a new pet oh, home okay, and get yeah. familiar with the environment when things are a little bit calmer and the hustle bustle has settled a bit but before you get back to you know the uh, the busyness of January and back to work and back to school it might be a good time to spend a few extra days at home with your new furry family guy oh yes never thought about it that way <laughs> that was that's a useful tip there now your your rescue dog is from Kentucky, yes. Kentucky shelter now how did you yes. decide like what was your timing with getting it and you're, you're transitioning yourself, unless this is uh, an easy transition yeah. for you. So when I adopted Franklin, I lived alone. I wasn't married, no kids yet. So I knew that it was, you know, me, myself, and I that was going to be responsible for that dog. And I was working at Pet First at the time, and it was a busy season for us. You know, a lot of travel, a lot mm-hmm. of days where I needed to be on the road. And I knew that that was not going to be a good time to rehome a new pet. So I waited until things settled down work-wise when I knew that I was going to have a much more consistent 
schedule where I was going to be able to bring whoever my new pet would be, turns out it was Franklin, bring him into the office and let him get comfortable um, with accompanying me to work. That's one of the nice things about being at Pet First. It's a pet-friendly workplace. Um, But I really scheduled it. I really thought, okay, I'm just going to organize this like I would any other type of project. So I set aside some time to do some research on adoptable pets. And of course, this is the way it always works out. I had three dogs that I wanted to check out at the shelter. One was not available any longer. You know, two I met, but, you know, we weren't really connecting. And then I made eye contact with Franklin, and he was just such a perfect little gentleman. And so we went to the meet and greet room, and it was great. And I knew that this was going to be my dog. And even though I was so excited, the practical side of me said, I'm not going to take you home today. I don't have the crate. I don't have the bed. I don't have all of the things that I need. So I was in a flurry gathering up all of that stuff. That was a Thursday evening. I took Friday off of work so that we could have a long weekend and get familiar with the potty breaks and the food and where things were in the house and letting him smell and just explore. So we really spent the weekend together just getting acclimated, getting him familiar and comfortable with his crate, all those things that sound easy when you're reading the list, but in, you know, practice, it can sometimes be tough. Franklin was a little bit older. He was a year and a half when I adopted him. So he knew some things, but other things he wasn't comfortable with. Like together we learned he does not like the crate. I don't know if in his former life, he'd spent too many hours in the crate, but we learned very quickly that that was not going to be a healthy or (laughs) successful way for him to stay safe when I had to leave him in the home alone. So we got to know each other and that worked out great. So Franklin, was rehomed and comfortable and we had a great first weekend. But then when I went back to work that Monday, things kind of fell apart. I had to leave him home by himself for an extended period of time and he lost his mind. Uh, That was when we discovered Franklin has some separation anxiety. So he ate some things that he shouldn't have eaten. He tore up the couch. I think he wanted to wait to make sure that I loved him a whole lot before he showed his true colors, which was the truth. So we knew that, okay, we've got some things that we need to work on from a behavior perspective, but also just from a health perspective. You know, I knew it was not going to be safe for Franklin to be alone for an extended period of time if he wasn't comfortable being crated. He was prone to foreign body ingestion. So those are the types of things oh, that even yeah. when you plan perfectly, animals are animals and they mm-hmm. will surprise you just the way people will. So we had some things to work through, but I'm happy to say, gosh, what was that, nine years ago? Now, Franklin and I have been together some time, and he's been with us through some moves, through a marriage, through children now. He's acclimated great to all of those changes, but I do think he looks at me sometimes and says, remember when it was just us? Wasn't that great? Remember when that used to be quiet? (laughs) Oh, well, I guess that when you first got him and he did lose it, I guess that's the point where either people, you know return them or right. they're like you and they're awesome. <laughs> and they work Well, it's a dog. scary time. Yeah, it's a scary yeah. time. I think it's most truly akin to bringing home a new baby. You have all these plans. You think you know what to do and still <laughs> real life starts to set in and you're like, gosh, this is harder than I expected. And that's why it really does take a commitment to figuring things out. Nothing's going to be easy. Good things rarely are easy. So it takes a little bit of work and a little bit of investment. But there are a lot of resources out there. I think that's what is important for all pet parents to remember is that there's a community 
of people who have helped each other deal with their pet separation anxiety or helped each other deal with their pet's, you know, diabetes diagnosis or cancer diagnosis or all the complicated things that you can deal with in a pet's life. There's a support system of resources and people that are willing to help you. I think, again, it's just mentally you have to be prepared for this is not going to always be easy from a financial perspective, from a behavior perspective, from an emotional Mm. perspective. Being a pet parent is is a lot of work and it's not a decision to be taken lightly. Yes, yes. Perfect, perfect timing. Quickly before we go to break, what advice, what's your main advice for people looking to um, adopt the dog for the purpose of the holidays? I think it's just do your research internally and externally. Make sure you know what type of pet you want to bring into your home. So externally, understand factors there, know a little bit about if I want to bring a pet home on Christmas Eve, if you're committed to that, you know, what do you need to demonstrate to the shelter? What do you need to provide to the adoption agency so that you're able to do that if you're, if you're dead set on that? But also be mindful of those internal considerations. What's going on with your home and with your family? And is Christmas Eve really going to be the right time to bring a pet? Or might that be a better activity for the day after New Year's Day or or sometime between Christmas Day and New Year's? So just be prepared mentally, physically, all of the ways. Do your research and make sure you're prepared. Yes. I'll amen to that, Katie. <laughs> we're just gonna go <laughs> we're just gonna go on a quick break and we'll continue talking with Katie. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know how they say you are what you eat? Well guess what? Same is true for your fur babe. I have a grandpa dog as I call him. Mr. Z is now fourteen. And over the years, you know, he's had his issues, but lately he's had a lot of allergies. And I've recently put him on a solid gold diet, and I have noticed a major difference. And right now, Solid Gold is offering an amazing offer to all of our listeners. Yep, by visiting solidgoldpet.com slash petlife for 30% off your first order. Go ahead and take advantage of this great offer. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We have Pet First Insurance CEO Katie Blakely with us to address the revolving rescue dog issues. Uh, so I just want to change gears a bit here. Let's talk about pet insurance. I know a lot of people decide to opt out and save up for themselves. Can you let us know what are the pros and cons of of doing that? Sure. Yeah. And you know, when you consider pet insurance and the different competitors that are out there, when we consider it pet first, what's our biggest competition? It's not another pet insurance brand. It's really people who are weighing the decision of, should I self-insure? Can I put this money away? Is that a smarter decision? You know, in an ideal scenario, that could work fine. You could put away $30 every month and in a couple of years, you're in a position to pay for an expensive, unexpected veterinary bill. 
even on that path, you know, that's roughly $3,600 over 10 years. Franklin, very early on, once I brought him home and he ate a few things that he didn't need to eat, he incurred some very expensive vet bills within the first few months of his adoption. And I think that's, again, a demonstration of how insurance works. That's why I won't gamble with other major assets in our life, like our homes or our cars or our family's health. Um, the same is true for, for your pet's health. We're really offering here at Pet First and pet insurance industry in general is peace of mind. So mm. it's, it's really the security of knowing that whatever happens, whatever you need to do to get your pet and keep your pet healthy, that you're financially prepared to make those choices. Some of the saddest stories and some of the most compelling reasons that we have a business like this, when you hear about pet parents that have to make the practical choices, and it makes sense, but the practical choice of do I pay for this or do I pay for my dog's surgery? Do I yeah. you know, delay important yeah. treatment because I just don't really have the funds available? We really want to give our policyholders and pet parents nationwide the peace of mind that they can do whatever they need to do to, like I said, get their pet healthy and keep their pet healthy. So we uh, eliminate that financial consideration from the conversation. Totally makes sense. I was actually talking to somebody about this. And the thing is, I find when people decide to opt out, it's, it's their argument as well. Why am I going to pay $30, $40 a month when it's just for in case, right? right. <laughs> but at right. the same time, it's like, well, you have to pay for surgery. That can mean thousands. And if you decide to save up $30, $40 a month, you may not even cover half of that by the time you need it. It's those big unexpected veterinary bills, but it's also the long-term chronic conditions like allergies that aren't mm. especially expensive, you know, visit by visit and medication by medication. But when you consider, you know, the life of the pet, maybe for 15 years, you'll be paying for prescription allergy care or you'll be, you know, paying for dialysis for your cat for the rest of their life or chemotherapy. Those types of chronic conditions can really add up over time. And they can be especially brutal, those diagnoses, especially when they happen early in a pet's life when they're relatively young at age two or three. And you're thinking, gosh, this is going to be just like with humans. This is going to be a long you know, road in terms of provision of care and how financially am I going to bear that? And that's where, you know, pet insurance just makes a ton of sense. I think one of the things that people often forget is that veterinary medicine, it's as sophisticated as human health care. You really, you can do for pets today what you wouldn't dream of doing for them 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago. But now that there are all these options available, you know, everything from we see claims for acupuncture and chiropractic care and laser therapy and things that, you know, really weren't that common a few years back. But more and more pet parents are getting creative with their veterinarians about how to manage pain and how to deal with chronic conditions and how to diagnose, you know, tricky things that before would have just resulted in, you know, potentially euthanasia. Now there's so much that we can do for our pets, but it can be very expensive, just like human mm -hmm. health care. So no matter what, we, you know, we recognize that pet insurance may not be for everyone. 
but we do know that a financial plan for what are you going to do when the unexpected happens, that's mission critical. If you don't have a plan before you even go to the adoption agency, before you bring that pet home, you might find yourself stuck and it might not be in the first two months or the first two years, but at some point you're going to have to make a tough decision about the level of care that you give to your pet when they become sick or injured. And we never want that for any pet parent. Right, exactly. This question is probably more for me because I'm kind of ignorant in this <laughs> in this area. Couldn't pet owners get insurance once a chronic condition starts? That is a great question. And unfortunately, no. So pet insurance, unlike human health care, it does not cover pre-existing conditions. So that's an important thing that you don't wait until something happens. You want to go ahead and get the insurance proactively before a chronic condition manifests. Um, And this is, again, true of pet insurance providers all across the country. Pre-existing conditions are not covered. Okay. Good to know. Well, then that makes all the difference. Again, yeah, when you're rehoming a pet, when you're bringing a pet home from the shelter, it is, again, you know, along with the list of supplies and food and, you know, which veterinarian am I going to use? It's important to give some consideration to pet insurance at that time because there's no better time to think about, you know, before the stress of rehoming a pet, before we have, you know, some of the headaches that can occur related to uh, a pet's health when they're, you know, moving into a new home, you really want to have that pet insurance equation solved. Now, as you mentioned, like some rescue organizations do have a relationship with an insurance company and they may offer adopters a discount. Do you suggest people just take that offer or do their own research? Well, I think it's smart to do both. I think it's smart to take advantage of the insurance that's recommended by the shelter that you're working with. Um, you trust that they've done their due diligence and that they're making a recommendation, you know, based on that research and that partnership should be sound. But it's also a good time to consider what else is in the marketplace. So we work with, you know, actually thousands of shelters oh, yeah. from super large humane societies to very small rescue groups. We provide a month of insurance that's included with the adoption fee so that essentially you get a trial of pet insurance right with your pet's adoption. So that affords you the ability to get coverage right away with no wait period and gives you also the the flexibility to do some research in that month and decide, do you want to extend coverage with Pet First? Do you want to let it lapse or do you want to look at another provider? So it gives the adopter some time and some flexibility to consider what's best for them and their pet. Perfect. That's awesome. Love that you do work with rescue shelters. Good for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) we love it. Now, before we we end this call, lastly, would you have a recommendation on how people can spot a good insurance company to go with? I know there's a ton. So how do you narrow it down? Yeah, I've got a couple of things that I think are worth considering. One is just making sure you understand what is and is not covered and you don't get the sense that there are a lot of gotchas in the policy. That's what we try to promote here at Pet First. We look for simple, straightforward, no gotchas coverage so that you know what your pet insurance covers and use it. But also, just like other forms of insurance, there's a number of different variables that you can manipulate to control your rate. So you can look at a high deductible, maybe a deductible as high as $500 or $1,000 annually. Then you might have a lower rate as a result. Or you might look at a low deductible of anywhere from you know 50 to $100 annually that will give you a lot more opportunities to claim on your insurance. So I think just making sure that you understand what the insurance covers 
and how easy it is to use, how quickly and easily can you file your claims and receive reimbursement, I think is really critical uh, when you're selecting a pet insurance provider. Okay, yeah, that's, that's useful to know. All right. Well, thank you for your valuable insight, Katie, for both pet insurance and the holiday return gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel bad saying that term, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's how it works sometimes, unfortunately. (laughs) So we are out of time. If you want to check out the options with Katie's company, go to PetFirst.com. Am I correct? That's correct, yes. PetFirst.com. Thank you to our guest and our show producer, Mark Winter, for making the show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.